Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Fundamentalists. Uh, my name is Elliot Morgan. This is Peter Rollins. We have a very fun episode for you today. If you're not familiar with this podcast, we talk about all sorts of stuff uh, that's really fun and heady and sometimes silly and sometimes just crazy and wild and mm. new and different and challenging and cool. Uh, and usually Pete says some smart stuff and I interrupt him uh, in order to make sure I fully understand and I apologize oh. ahead of time. But <laughs> this week, uh, I'm deciding the topic kind of loosely. Yeah. We've agreed upon which is it. Not, which is not technically fair because it was my topic this really? today. Yeah, but I'm going to let you. Thank yeah. you so much. Um, I will make it up to you later. <laughs> letting you do all of them for a while. Um, you look nice, by the way. You look put together. Oh, thank you. And I'm been, I've been running around doing like stuff and like i sweated and yeah. stuff and, and these these shorts as people have said they make you look naked from the yeah. waist down and the hunter this. green like in the logo the valley folk logo with the the tan pants to me makes me look like a little park ranger uh or like a employee a cast member at animal kingdom if we should we there. need to have merchandise like that something like that i know you could probably design you would have some cool merch i know i should do some for what? For the other stuff. This I is do? what we do. We talk yeah. about what we should okay. do. We're doing it again. <laughs> well, what's uh, the well? What is the topic for today? Yes, the then, topic sir. is the new normal. Yes, everybody, speaking yeah. of things that we do normally, the uh, new normal. We're going to talk about what even is it and what's going on with it. We're recording this on Sunday, November first. So happy November. Uh, happy November. Yeah. Happy uh, winter. Uh, I don't know what fall time. Um, yeah. So the new normal is this term that's been being thrown around for a little while. And I think that, at least in my experience, I had an expectation of what that would be, which it turns out that it never is uh, in line with your expectations, life, that is. But it's an interesting term to me because it's being so used, just used ubiquitously uh, in across the world right now. And it's such an interesting term to me because it's so grandiose. Um, and it implies that there was an old normal, which I also think is very interesting. I personally was unaware that there was an old normal. Things seemed kind of crazy to me for quite some time, <laughs> both personally and and uh, and and culturally. So um, I thought this would be an interesting subject to talk about, but I don't know exactly exactly where to go with. Yeah. It. But I'm hoping you have some thoughts here, Pete, and we can bob along in a sea of fun conversations. Absolutely. Well, as we do, that's our thing. <laughs> as we do. Yeah. <laughs> so the new normal, I've heard the phrase a few times, but I don't, I know what it means, I'm guessing, but people use it to say COVID hasn't been overcome. There's been a lot of social unrest, anxiety, and it's it hasn't dissipated. And so the yeah. new, is that, people are using it as the new normal is living in this state of uh, low level anxiety. Mm. And anger. I think. Well, I mean, I think you really dove into the deep end mm. there. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess that would be what it means. I feel like it, on a general, the most um, like basic sense, it would be: What are we going to do with the legs? How is this going to pan out? Are we going to cross them while wearing shorts? That's never a good look. Yeah, let's not do that. <laughs> um, I feel like, in a general sense, it means like social distancing, using hand sanitizer, uh, wearing oh, a mask. Yeah, like, yeah. Kind of the everyday things, but for me, I'm like that's that's not very interesting or or um or or tantalizing to talk about because I don't really care that much about any of that stuff. Like, okay, great. It's a it bummed me out though. Let me let me tell you this. This is what I thought about this, Pete. Mm -hmm. And I apologize for burping a little bit. Um, I did Halloween last. I don't night. let that. Happen in my I house. Know, you I'm know so that. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, you're very, yeah, yeah very yeah, prudish yeah. about that. I leave when I'm going to burp <laughs> yeah. and then come back in. <laughs> it's weird, but I. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, 
I did Halloween. Okay, we just moved. My girlfriend oh, yeah. and I. It's a wonderful little place. There's a house across the way that is like super decorated in Halloween decorations with like a big bouncy house, like a tent, like these skeletons everywhere, and it's all lit up at night and it's all orange and cool. Yeah. So I'm really stoked to see what they do for Christmas. But anyway, yeah. I'm watching it. And I'm like, this is so cool. And I was like, I know they know that we're we've moved in because we made a bunch of ruckus because of the moving. And I was like, I want to make a good impression. I was like, so I don't, but I don't. No one's gonna come up the driveway to knock on the door. No, with all the barbed wire and the security guards, right? Yeah. And yeah. the sex the swings dogs. everywhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so I was like, well, I'm gonna put a bowl out by the street, you know, thinking mm -hmm. that was nice. And I put a bowl out with religious tracks. With religious tracks, yeah, it <laughs> is nice. Take take one of each. Yep. And uh, <laughs> no, I, I did though with a. I did put a bottle of hand sanitizer out there, oh, and I tried I going to the store to get a big pumpkin or whatever. I went down throughout the night, like not unlike a big kid who was wanting to see excitedly if people had taken the candy like i was secretly mm -hmm. hoping someone would take the entire bucket i'm fairly certain not a single person <laughs> took any candy like not a piece yeah. and also not only did they not take a single piece i bought so much candy that i don't know what my where my brain was you don't bring any you didn't bring any i will bring some next okay. week i promise yeah. you dude i have so much candy it is I don't know what I was thinking. Like, <laughs> like I, do you live in a very, very packed suburban area? No, <laughs> it's like, no. is there houses no. everywhere? No, there are hundreds of kids playing on the street. We don't <laughs> really have. Because I saw a picture of it, and it doesn't look that packed. Yeah, no, people. <laughs> no, literally no one. It's why we loved it. It's private. They have to. The kid has to walk three miles to get to your yeah, to yeah. get to your and, drive. And the candy, where the candy was, next to just three trash cans, three big city <laughs> trash cans. So I totally understood why. No one, of course, grabbed it, but I guess in my mind, I was like, I'm going to need, I'm going to, if I'm. No one <laughs> took the hand sanitizer. That's what I would have taken. It was like, exactly. <laughs> it was a nice bottle of hand sanitizer, a big one, moisturizing too. Those are hard to find. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was like, I, I bought enough candy that it was like, if I didn't have enough, they were going to run me out of the neighborhood. Like I was going to be, like they were going to show up with pitchforks. And mm -hmm. I was really disappointed that no <laughs> one took the candy. And then I was confused by now the amount of candy that I have. But anyway, yeah. I was like, this is a, part of i guess what people would describe as the new normal it's going out and being like all right i'm call me crazy call me old-fashioned i think kids should run around and trick-or-treat on halloween and so i was like i want the kids to know that the dude with you know eminem hair across the street is mm -hmm. nice and not gonna like attack them or something <sighs> i wonder how many people have thought eminem's moved into their area He's really let himself go. Yeah, yeah. He's let himself go, and he's grown like six inches. He's six inches taller and uh, gangly. But uh, yeah, nineteen yeah, eighties um, pop band is it pop punk? That's exactly. what you are. Pop punk oh, band yeah. is really good. Is it Blink one eighty two. Yeah, yeah. Hacker what was, from what every, was he in? Yeah. Um, the hacker from every nineties action movie. I also yeah. really like. <laughs> so yeah, uh, it's an interesting thing to think about. But do you think there was ever an old normal? Do you feel personally in your yeah. life like you've had an old normal? that you've mm -hmm. deviated from? Do you feel like you're in a normal now? Like, do you feel a sense of normalcy or do you, as a result of sort of being an intelligent person, feel like uh, the, you, you're, you've held the contradiction of normalcy yeah. and unnormalcy? See, it is interesting, like what you're saying, because there is, in philosophy, there's an idea, Freud talks about it, retroactivity, which is where- Mercury. Was that Mercury? <laughs> <laughs> what was that? When Mercury is in retro. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it means that you're going to meet somebody new. Keep yourself open exactly. to possibilities. Yes. Yeah. Keep uh, an eye out. <laughs> but it kind of means that that yeah, you you construct 
the past in relation to the present. So actually the old normal, which I think you're hinting at, is often like a retroactive fantasy. Uh, so people, yes. for example, when they break up with somebody, they can't help but sometimes fantasize the old normal they had that they never had, right? Where they were happy and they were it was all wonderful. I think I've used the example before of a friend of mine who, when he broke up uh, with his partner, he started to fantasize about how, about what their normal was, like their normal. But I remember him phoning me up and saying, I don't want to go home. It's a nightmare. And it just happened all the time. And so the, the, the old normal was actually a retroactive fantasy created by his new situation. Rose-tinted glasses. Rose-tinted glasses is a less fancy way of saying yeah. it. <laughs> and if, that, if you can do anything, you can do that. I can make things less fancy. That's what I can do. Uh, yeah, it's exactly mm. that. Dude, you, we won't get into it, but this is a common in everyone, and I think that it's we all do it because you did it to me like a week ago. I won't oh. go into the details of it, but I want to know. No, yeah, you it was oh. very subtly, but I was sort of talking you remember I was oh, talking out yeah. loud about a particular thing and I was sort of talking about the journey of it and kind of how it was going and you just sort of were like, yeah, no. <laughs> like I think I had waxed a little nicer about certain things and you're like, no, probably not. Probably yeah. probably wouldn't. No, no. But I was like, right. it was actually a very nice experience because you were like, mm, you're 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 making it, you're polishing a turd a little bit. All right. <laughs> That's the most round, you know, I just took longer to explain it than you did to me in the moment, but you know, you get it. Right. Um, but yeah, everyone does it. It's wonderful. Yeah. So it, there's a weird way in which we think about the past of, or, you know, present influences the future, but the future transforms the past. It's Well, here's a nice way of it, where it happens is if something terrible has happened to you and you think you've wasted five years in mourning, and you haven't gone out and you haven't met anybody and your life's been really difficult. And, you know, you go like, I'm never going to get those years back. I've been on my own. I've been depressed. I haven't gone out of the house. And it's taken all this time uh, that's been stolen away from mm -hmm, me. Mm -hmm. But then say you meet somebody that can retroactively transform those five years and they become a type of Old Testament prophecy that led to what happened in the yeah. present. So... The, funnily enough, uh, the past, the present and the past can often seem kind of unredeemable or terrible, but events that happen to us can actually help transform how we perceive and how we interact with our whole history. Yeah. So um, the future changes the past. The old one day we're going to look back on this and just laugh. Mm -hmm. uh, no one ever likes <laughs> to hear that. Yeah. I've never met someone who's like, great. Yeah. Thanks. I'm not, I'm not, it's not the future right now. Yeah. I mean, it's true. The difficult times and Freud's that, that says as well, that the difficult times are the times that in the future you'll remember fondly. Like, and I, I look back to the, my toughest years in Belfast, um, living in a, in a, in a state and kind of a working class estate and difficult area. And I just think it was the best time ever. And I still, I think I did enjoy it a bit. What in age? The time. Where, where? I was uh, between the ages of, all of that time was probably between the ages of 20 and 27. Was yeah. When, uh, those uh, are some years. Those are some years. And those are like crazy years. It was part of it was living in this squat as well. And uh, with like six other people, five other people. And, um, but, but like the best times, but it was, was crazy. Like they were crazy mm -hmm. times. Um, the place, uh, was an absolute mess. You yeah. know, um, were you, um, aware that they were your best times? See, that's it. You're probably not. Not like, best not, times, yeah. but 
Probably, and, and actually, if I really think about it, I go like, no, they were really tough sometimes, obviously, like it's tough times, but I look back and go, God, that was the richest mm-hmm. time in, you know, in my life, you know? I saw this like thing on Reddit that was like some, it was like a uh, quote, but they had made the quote into the logo of the old Blockbuster buildings, Blockbuster video. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And uh, there's all these people walking in and it said, the best times of my life happened, most of the best times of my life happened when I wasn't aware of them. Uh, and everyone was like, oh, nostalgia. <laughs> Very pleasant. But yeah. when I brought this up, you brought up something oh, yeah. called the Big Infinity or yeah. Bad Infinity. Bad Infinity, yeah. Um, and this does connect, actually, yeah. Yeah, how does that connect to the new norm, normal, okay. normie? Yeah, because the theme that I was thinking of, and then Elliot mentioned what he was thinking of, and I thought, oh, okay, these might combine, is this Hegelian term in philosophy called the Bad Infinity. And a Bad Infinity is... In, in mathematical terms, it's the infinity that goes on forever. One, two, three, four, right? Mm-hmm. This goes on, never stops, right? No matter what number you say, I can say plus one, right? You know, you can say a billion, I can say a billion, billion, or Google mm-hmm. Clex or whatever, right? Uh, Google Clex, by the way, is a name for the biggest number I know. I can't remember how many zeros really? it is, but it's hundreds of zeros. Somebody told me that when I was a kid and it just came back to me. Just yeah. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of fun. Um, I love that stuff. Yeah. yeah like this, the, the size of the universe is estimated to be about a blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I watch like, some of those on YouTube and they're always so tough and they're introductory, but because I don't do physics. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I was yeah. like, yeah. I was watching one literally on the age of the universe, which is 13.7 billion years old. But Give then he was saying, but the length of the universe from one side to the other is something like 94 billion light years. Why is the difference? And then he was trying to explain it, and I was like, didn't quite get it. Was it something about special relativity and time being different than when you get past a certain? That probably included all of that. The, the only thing I remember is it's part. <laughs> People are getting a with... lot out of this episode. I could tell. <laughs> <laughs> so somebody did critique us, gave us a one star review, and said we sound like two guys who are just like smoking weed and yeah. going like, oh. The universe is amazing. Yeah. yeah. What is other podcasts? Well, <laughs> oh, I guess yeah. other podcasts that don't talk about the the highfalutin stuff, I guess. Yeah. Oh, my friend Adam, by the way, was congratulated us on the last episode because he said, Pete said, I've got four points. And he said, I was able to get to all four points that I've in the past said, well, I want to talk about three things. Never get to the leave one and more. third one. Leave yeah. them, you know, leave a little care. Always, yeah. To want, get people to well, come back. Yeah. And that actually connects with the right, bad infinity. So bad infinity, it's the infinite goes out. And if you live in the bad infinity, the, the form of life is basically where you're, you see obstacles in your life and you try to overcome the obstacles to have a better life. So you're always trying to optimize your life, be more productive, progress in your existence. And I was thinking about this because I watched the first episode of The Voy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I love where you're going. Uh, yeah, because I, I just, I'm in the car. I just can't wait to get there. What's that? I'm I'm oh, in the car. Nice. The car, you're ready. You've you've together. strapped yourself in. Everything's in? packed. If you, right. hope you went to the bathroom, we're not turning around after I shut up. Okay, here we go. <laughs> um, yeah, when you seen the first episode, I'm a bit behind. People are saying I should watch it, but I watched the first episode, and the first thing that struck me was these people are caught up in a bad infinity because they're actually getting something productive out of this group. Yeah. But what they keep wanting is to keep getting more and more and more. And every obstacle is something that can be gotten rid of Mm -hmm. in order to move forward. Uh, A word for this would be optimized 
therapy, right? Which is a really bad thing. Or Todd McGowan calls it productive therapy. Productive therapy is therapy that tries to get rid of your obstacles so that you can be more productive in your life, so that you can get the things that you want to get, achieve what you want to achieve. Um, you know, funnily, uh, Jordan Peterson's a productive therapist because mm-hmm. I've heard him say some of his examples of people in therapy are um, people who he has helped to overcome symptoms by helping them see that they'll become more productive in their life if they overcome their symptoms. So there was a businessman he was advising who had insomnia and the insomnia was getting in the way of his productive life and what he wanted to achieve. And Peterson helped him see that sleeping well would make him more productive. So if he could sleep better, take more time with the family, it would actually lead to him being more able to achieve his goals. Yeah, feeding that idea in people and letting it be the central drive of their existence to just be better producer, better this, To keep moving that, forward. Yeah. So even sleep becomes not a, a way to escape productivity, but part of productivity. And, you know, Google has sleep rooms or whatever, <laughs> I, I think. Yeah. Um, but um, the, the idea of psychoanalysis proper is to kind of like break you out of bad infinity. The idea is actually this type of life, once you start giving yourself to it, there's no end. And then you have to sacrifice more. You have to meet, you're, you're doing more courses. You sign up to more stuff. Scientology is the perfect example of a bad infinity. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, both lead to whether the um, it's productive therapy or whatever it's called or not, are, don't both lead to a... Both are never ending. Never ending and lead to dissatisfaction. The other infinity. Pain. Yeah, the other infinity you're talking oh, yeah. would be as opposed to bad infinity, would be the infinity I imagine between numbers, the the thing in the moment, the to use it's like I'm I think I'm like like a mathematical metaphor for, oh, yeah. for yeah, bind, bounded infinities, for the yeah. Psych- psychological life of the human. If you think about it in terms of the actual moment and like what's happening on a level like that and the, the the fact that it's irresolvable in that you can actually find more depth than if you just think about per, per advancing yeah jeez that was like a, <laughs> well yeah because like i was learning how to do a foxtrot for the first time or something <laughs> sorry I've, i'm having a hard time talking today <laughs> <laughs> well though you, i mean you mentioned that when you did this exactly this idea of bounded infinities so there are infinities within finite numbers between one and two you have 1.1, 1. 1.2, 1. yeah. 1.3, 1. 1.4, 1. 1.5. In any two numbers, yeah. there would be an infinity between them, correct? Different intensities of Yo, infinities. math is crazy. Yeah. It math is. is crazy. <laughs> so you've got, that's a good metaphor for the alternative to a bad infinity, which is a true, what Hegel calls a true infinity. But a true infinity, and in, okay, I'll give you kind of a couple of examples. Well, this example is not completely true, but it's partly true, right? A good infinity might be you choose a life task like you want to cook you love cooking right and that actually defines your parameters but you can become infinitely better as a cook and you eventually maybe uh, become a butcher or own a restaurant and it continues to develop but it's bounded by a type of uh, obstacle and the obstacle is you're a chef that's what you've given your life to that's what you're trying to get better at and that obstacle actually generates productivity and it's much more satisfying. So, But a better way of thinking about it even than that is that actually our, the obstacles in our lives 
aren't always things we need to overcome. They often speak of something that that we need to listen to and that obstacles, basically obstacles are actually the place where value is created. It's not, and when you're always overcoming an obstacle, you're always looking to the future, the future me, the better me, the me that's going to be more optimized. And then you never enjoy the present. Yeah, and you never yeah. get to reach the conflict. Yes. What's that? You're always trying to overcome the conflict. Well, that, yeah. but yeah. yeah, you never actually, yeah, you never really overcome a conflict. Yeah, because I get I get yeah. kind of roundabouts what you're saying. Oh, uh, yeah. So, because, yeah, in terms of conflict, you're right, the, the, in psychoanalysis, the idea is you're not supposed to overcome your symptom, but you listen to it. You find that actually you've got contradictory desires. So this business person who Jordan Peterson was advising, like my guess, I don't know, I, but my first guess would be the insomnia is not something to overcome. It's it's a protest potentially against productivity. Maybe the insomnia is actually a protest that is where they where the business person is actually their body is going like I do want to be productive. Let's be less productive, would less that, optimized. Would that come out in the wash though a little bit? Like if you go if you go and you start sleeping more and you become more productive, mm-hmm. that obstacle that this guy is supposedly uh, vanquished like is going to. It's going to hit in another way. It's going way. to hit in another way, yeah. Definitely. That's so, the thing, yeah. But when it hits that next time, at least he's a little bit more productive. At least he's a little bit more like he's got that going for him. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I mean, well, this is Adam Smith felt that this is how capitalism works, which is when he talks about the invisible hand of the market, what he means is we stupidly think that the better life is always ahead. So we think that more money, more fame, more success, that's going to make us happy. And Adam Smith says, no, it's not, it doesn't, right? As long as you've got enough money and you're happy with your friends and family, like that's what you need. More money ain't going to do much. Yeah. But he says it's a necessary illusion that generates productivity in society. Yeah. So even Adam Smith kind of almost goes like, the problem is that business person might be more productive, but he's not more happy. Mm-hmm. But you could say that this this illusion is what you know generates yeah productivity yeah i mean and maybe he wasn't if he went to therapy with the sole purpose of becoming happier <laughs> more having a more meaningful life yeah you know? uh he's probably not gonna that's probably not gonna go well it's very interesting yeah the um i was thinking about with the um it's part of the reason i got so jammed up about the new normal thing when i was when it was first being said it was it reminded me a little of being in uh church as a kid and hearing like that the rapture could happen any second that we could oh. all just disappear and everyone that you love you know and you yourself might go to heaven for all eternity out of nowhere very heavy weight to carry as a kid but it also i remember constantly being like no like i like this like i want i want to be able to get my driver's license before uh-huh. that happens and i want to be able to like kiss a girl before that happens and uh and get you know get my get like some life lived a little bit and that's how i felt when all this new normal stuff started happening i was like oh man I was like i kind of like this though and i want to you know keep riding this out and see what happens here professionally and personally and like you know what this life turns out to be and so that that new normal thing, I think, and I think it, it probably more in other people, but a little bit in me freaked me out a little bit because I was like, I don't want to. I, I like this. I like. I want. I want all my little toys and all my things and all my people around me, and I want no one. And I want everyone to go away. <laughs> just leave me, <laughs> and then I can do my thing and have fun. But it's like, oh, that's not life. Like that's just literally wanting to be in the comfort of my familiar surroundings. Oh yeah, and like in light of that. 
um, Hegel uses the example of pain as a, as a living contradiction. So heaven in the religious sense is a life without contradiction. And Hegel would say that is, it's a life without life. Like yeah. if you have a life without pain, yeah. a life without discomfort, life dissipates. Or if there's too much pain, life dies. Yeah, There's something about life that requires a certain amount of sim- symptoms, a certain mm-hmm. kind of contradiction. That's why, and he, Marx is interesting in this because Marx has a theory or he adopts a theory called the labor theory of value, which basically says that value is found in, in labor. What makes something valuable is the labor that's in it. Not the price, but the value. And what Marx is saying is we think that the value of a commodity is in what it does, right? We go into a shop, we buy it, and it's valuable because of what it is. And Marx says, no, its value is is in its creation. Mm-hmm. The value is, so what Marx is saying is in, what we do is I fantasize that I want to make enough money that I never have to work again, that I can sit by the beach, that I can be comfortable, that I can just do whatever I want. I don't have to wear a mask. I don't have to socially distance. The bars yeah. are open. It's gross. We can do karaoke. <laughs> yeah. But it, yeah, it's the fantasy of no, no sacrifice. Yeah. It's, it's a fa- yeah, fantasy of, of yeah, a, a life without warning. sacrifice. Yeah. But, um, but in this idea, it's like, no, no, no. Uh, meaning and value is, is created in sacrifice and in struggle. And so the trick is the, to get out of the bad infinity, which is we're trying to overcome to get the better life, better life, better life. The, the good infinity yeah. is where we um, see that actually the struggle of life is, is where all the, the energy and the, and the meaning is. Here we go. Okay. I'm in. Um, I'm bummed because I, uh, this is touching on something I was just reading earlier today, mm. Dr. Rollins. Were you trying to find it? Because- you became animated there. I was. Around. I just got so excited. The spirit yeah. came over me for yeah, a moment. Okay. But uh, I don't have my cell phone currently on mm. me. And even if I did, it would take way too long to mm. find it because it's in a scanned PDF form, which we isn't need fun. A, like Joe Rogan and also that Pull it guy up, Jamie. Just, some of the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pull up that thing I was reading about. And I don't know where it is exactly. But it was <laughs> it, it was talking about stroke. Well, it was really on, to be specific, it was talking about like rites of passage, the idea of ritual, the idea that we've lost that in our current modern era. But it was talking about the idea of struggle in general. And struggle is where, excuse me, a lot of this stuff happens. A lot of the... Um, the growth, the joy, the fun. The, mm-hmm. Basically, the the juju of life happens yeah. in struggle, and we have conditioned ourselves now, I think, more than ever. And I think this is just eternally interesting because it it I always get it, I don't know much about history, but I I never I have a hard time relating to people in history because I just feel like this is just all crazy. Like the way we live right now is very the, the society seems a little crazy, and this idea this was written in like 70s or 60s or something like that it was all about how we're losing we are losing well specifically was talking about men and then there's another side of it that was on the the women's side but it was talking about men specifically during this time we're having a hard time adjusting to a life without the struggles that had defined them for many centuries um and now we as a people sort of all do that like we don't have much struggle anymore and we do everything we can to avoid struggle And then when we do that, we're missing out on basically life. And I think it's robbing a lot of people and causing a lot of uh, generalized anxiety and depression um, across the board. Yeah. I and mean, that's this, my speech. Yeah. Very good. No, And that, that connects a little bit with Todd McGowan's argument in his book, Capitalism and mm-hmm. Desire, where he argues, funny enough, so it's not, he argues it's not that 
um, sacrifice isn't going on. It's going on all the time and behind our backs, but it's, but we want to overcome it. We, uh, we ignore it or we repress it or we try to, as I say, the fantasy is that we can live a life without it. And the Todd McGowan's argument is, well, if that was successful, the whole system would fall apart. Because if we could actually get to the point of not having struggle or sacrifice, we would end up having meaningless lives. Mm -hmm. So technically, the society creates lots of struggle, but we always are trying to overcome it. And Todd McGowan's argument is, how do we, it sounds similar to your article, how do we integrate struggle? How do we give it a good place in our lives? How do we um, acknowledge that sacrifice is an inherent part of society. Yeah. 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 And, it's yeah. great. And I mean, oh, goodness, just love Ms. Dr. McGowan, I guess would be his name. <laughs> so good. I need, I need to just keep pummeling through the book again. Yeah. It's um, a very good book. Capitalism and Desire, in case you haven't heard it mentioned a thousand times. Yeah. yeah uh, the, str and it's, oh, it's interesting because I feel like with, at least this is me, I feel like a lot of my struggle mm. in, life is like you're saying kind of in an effort to remove struggle and there is like such a weird boringness to it where you're like oh i'm gonna do this so that i don't have to do it later yeah i'm gonna do this so then then that'll be done i don't have to worry about it yeah but it's not like taking joy or taking salt or even having introspection and being like why am i not wanting to do it? why am i like that to me is such an interesting difficult question to to ask yourself that i feel like people don't generally do yeah. these days and and we're, we're not taught to like i think the the and this is maybe a little hippy dippy but the capitalist structure whatever the culture seems to basically go do everything you can to be able to relax like yeah. do it like work your entire life so that when you're done you can relax for uh years and then work all day so you can go home and enjoy a nice refreshing beer yeah. and do this so you can do it's like you're you're always doing it so later you don't have to do it rather than just doing it and figuring out like how to yeah. get the most out of that little thing that's absolutely and, and hegel's philosophy one of the weird structures of it is that there's a necessary misreading like so put it so we we may, we always have to necessarily go into a bad infinity, make this mistake before we can get to the good infinity. So when we grow up, we always make the mistake of thinking that the object is where the pleasure is. The, the yeah. overcoming of sacrifice is where the satisfaction is. That's, that's kind of a necessary misreading of life. And then one has to try to get to the kind of like the overcoming of that by saying, oh, it's the struggle that is where the meaning is. But we always structurally of necessity make the mistake. We mm -hmm. always start with bad infinity. And uh, and only through struggle do we eventually, hopefully, come to realize that that um it's it's the it's the um the wrestling with life and the deadlocks of life that bring the meaning into yeah life. it gives a sense of think you're doing something yeah <laughs> like you're actually uh existing and have some kind of drive which i do believe that it generate it can generate some kind of um excitement more more vitality i guess would be one of the the words um i, I gotta tell you this because i know we've talked about it a little bit and you mentioned the vow um you see why it's like kind of do you see why it's a, kind of a shitty documentary 
Yeah, I mean, I've just seen the first episode, but um, but I want to hear you because you've watched more of it, and you're you're you like there's another one you like more, yeah. isn't there? Right. So All right. You tell me. Let's talk what about you this. this is a little aside here, folks, yeah. about this documentary. I love. I'll watch pretty much any documentary series. I watched The Vow. I made it through it. It's tough to get through. It's a little um, heavy-handed. A little. They're definitely LA like actors that they're you know they got big yeah. old targets on them. All very yeah. privileged all very rich, all very like, these are, one of the girls is a daughter of royalty, like all that kind of stuff who doesn't appear in The Vow, but she did do a different documentary series and I want to plug that real fast and it's called Seduced, I think is what it's called, Seduced and it's on stars, but anyway, it's so much better and the third episode's tonight. So I do think, I'm just saying, Pete, you should check it out when you can because it is way more interesting. Ah, very good. Well, Way way more raw and the other, I got the impression when I was watching that documentary that they were a little trying to cover their own asses, which is kind of weird. They got like this big HBO documentary and it's like, wow, this one particular, couple particular people are really protesting a lot about how they were definitely innocent and definitely not, you know, definitely just victims. And I was like, mm, it seems a little shady. So oh, yeah. it's Beautiful worth soul. checking out yeah. Yeah, if you did. look into it. But it is interesting because like that kind of stuff, it's fascinating that people... People, I think, watch that stuff and go, I would never fall for that. But then when I listen to half the stuff that Keith Raniere guy says, I'm like, yeah, no, that, that part, yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Like, he took so much from so many different areas. And who who would do something like that if they weren't getting something out of it? Like, the idea that they can just rewire their brains and they can become superheroes, basically. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And Los Angeles... You see a lot of bad infinity. Yeah, I mean, that's why, like, Scientology is an interesting one because there's always more levels that you have to go through and mm-hmm. then into OTs and all that. Um, and the vow, you could see these people who, no matter how successful they are, they feel like there's you know something extra, something more to get, and they get caught in this loop. Now, what they don't realize is the, the great thing that something like Nexium, if it's Nexium, and, and Scientology do, the smart thing, they don't do it. It's like unconsciously is that they create lots of sacrifice. So you have to create more and more sacrifice that the people are trying to overcome to get to the next level, to get to the next level. That keeps them woven in. And then what happens eventually is it, it'll go to pieces. So I don't know how exactly it goes to pieces yet, but you can tell it's going to get really fucking messy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the difference is to have a community in which ultimately people at first, have good experiences, yeah, and overcome some things, but then ultimately learn that life is not, that there's a certain, there's a certain structural thing that you can't overcome. There's a certain kind of not getting the object of your desire that's the real satisfaction. Like in the void, where they're really getting satisfaction is in the work to get to the next level of optimization. The sacrifice, yeah. yeah. The sacrifice, but, but they don't see it. They think that their satisfaction will be when they get to that place. And that's how cults make lots of money, you know, is that continually. Step one. Step one, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whereas there's a, yeah, there's a different type of cult that you can create. Yeah, the word cult I just learned has a much broader mm. definition in mm. some areas. Like, what does it mean? Do you know about this? Like, yeah, it's, it's not- just cultic, just a, a sect, you know, that's why I mean. That's just why a I small saying, religion. Basically. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. why I was saying there's good cult. You know, you can create a cult that is, anti-cult like a cool cult yeah (laughs) a rad cult um a cult that wears sunglasses a cult that basically de-optimizes you and uh helps you realize that it isn't the answer and allows you to escape the tyranny of happiness get branded i think yeah and then kicks you out 
then you hire other people and get percentages of their (laughs) work. Uh, Any multi-level marketing, I'm a huge fan of. I think everyone should do it. Yeah, that multi-level, that's the definition of bad infinity in a way, I think. Oh, yeah, 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 100%. Dude, we watched, speaking of uh, multi-level marketing, I watched this documentary called The the Tomb of Something on Netflix. It was trending on Netflix, and it was a documentary about this Egyptian dig site. Uh, I think I saw it advertised, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it, but it's interesting if you're into that kind of stuff. I don't know anything about the Egyptians or that culture, so I thought I'd be like into it and would learn a lot, but no, it's very, yeah. Anyway, I don't know why I brought that up. Pyramid schemes. All right. Oh, that was the connection. (laughs) That was the connection. (laughs) Um, Well, how do you think people should exist in this new normal, Pete? What do you think they should do? Uh, My advice is for people, uh, for myself, um, whatever you want, just get the obstacles out of the way yeah. so that when you do, you can find out what the next little obstacle is and then you can get that out of the way and then you can do it again and again and then one day you'll die. Yeah. There you go. That's pretty good, right? That's it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that too Jordan Peterson-y? That might be a little Jordan Peterson-y. That's, that sounds like a bad infinity. It's yeah. like you keep trying to overcome. Now, but the good, yeah. yeah, the prize at the end is that you die. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's yeah. We all get that price. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, I think I was listening to a podcast recently about Dr. Peterson, and uh, I still don't get. I just can't wrap my head around the the um, intensity that people have around mm. him as a figure to the point that it's weird. But I also don't know what's going on. He's a fascinating, fascinating figure right yeah. now i think that it's just like i don't know anything about what's going on i just don't want to know and I'm, I'm confused on who to find out from or what's even who to trust yeah. but it's uh really really interesting and also very sad so yeah yeah no he's uh gone through a lot he did a video last week just oh, a really? short kind of update so yeah you know he's he's kind of up and about he's not he's not feeling 100 percent, but he's he's uh back and he wants to start creating stuff again wow. so we'll wow. see him it's crazy yeah, yeah. Good luck to him. I hope he figures whatever it is out. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. How are you feeling about this episode? I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Good. What do you think? How are you feeling? You're I not, feel like I'm struggling oh. men- mentally to put words together. So I apologize. But I, yeah, yeah, I feel very frazzled, I guess. Yeah. It's Sunday before the election. Oh, yeah. Oh, here, by the way. Well, let's talk about that for a second. Oh, maybe. okay. I've, here's my theory about why um, the polls don't tell us anything. Um and I can't believe that the polls do this. I think it's idiotic. Is right. You you can't tell who people are going to vote for by asking because at the moment in this current situation, because uh, anybody who is voting for Trump either because they don't like the Democratic Party or they're uh, to protest or they like Trump or they're Republican, whatever reason, a lot of people will not be able to say that. So they're not going to say they are. They won't pick up. What you need to do is you need to ask people who their colleagues are voting for. And there's one, I think there's one uh, group that does this. Because when you ask somebody who they're voting you for, said, yep, they, yep. They, they're not going to tell, they, they, they want to disavow what That's they really know. smart. Yeah. That's such a good idea. Yeah. You have to ask who are, your, who are your colleagues voting for, and then you'll get the truth. So if like, there's a kid in therapy and you say to the kid, oh, or your, your parents have been nasty to you, the kid will go, oh, no, 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 they're great. Then you go, what does Teddy Bear think? 
And oh, teddy bear doesn't like my parents. Teddy bear thinks they're terrible, right? Teddy bear hates Joe Biden. Yeah. Teddy bear. <laughs> so yeah, that you don't you never ask the kid what they think. You always ask the teddy bear. Now you can't give people teddy bears when they're coming out of the polling station. It would be weird. But you can give them a type of teddy bear, which is their colleague. You know, here your colleague's funny for. Then you'll know. So that's that's the way. You know, it's stupid. I. Oh, anyway. That's. So, I mean, it is. That's the only scientifically accurate way I think of having an idea. <laughs> yeah. it, it, I think you're right. I think you're, that's so clever. I mean, how many people would realize what you were doing in that yeah. would be uh, interesting. Probably if you, you'd probably, maybe you'd sandwich it. Who did you vote for and who were the people you, you know voting yeah. for? Who were your workers, coworkers? The funny thing is for? as well, but for a lot of people, you wouldn't even need to sandwich it because all people need is um uh plausible deniability so what you have if you if you if you have to disavow your own knowledge even if you know that it's a game that's being played still it's still enough still better it's the, yeah still i mean the certain person will still feel it and the ability to distance themselves yeah now if it's completely obvious like if someone listens to this podcast and then the next day someone asks them that's different but if you have a sense in which oh i think i know what they're doing it yeah. still gives you plausible deniability yeah. because you, cause I can pretend that I don't know. I can And I can say, oh yeah, my colleagues think this. Uh, that's not me necessarily, but my colleagues think this. I think you're right about the criticism of the polls. I will say, I think that, I think that the percentage of people who will vote, mm, I don't know that I, I don't know that I think this. I'm hoping that the percentage of people who are going to vote for Trump who, and they don't feel comfortable saying it. I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel like last in 2016, it was so much more. There was so much more excitement around Trump because it, he hadn't. He was a more of a novelty, and I think that novelty is a lot of the reason that he got elected. It was sort of the, all the tropes that you're kind of still. They're still trying to say like, oh, he's a businessman. He tells it like it is. But well, did you did you not see the uh, the rally yesterday? Did no fifty seven thousand people. 57,000 people. people. So twenty thousand in in the venue was the max. Then thirty-seven thousand people outside yeah, the venue. <laughs> Although, yes, yeah, so you like the Democrats. I'm not. <laughs> I, I, I can't. I, I can't do this in another four years. I can't do. It. I because I, I'm tired of talking about it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. even if I even if I 100% agreed with Trump, I'm just done. I'm bored with the whole conversation. So I'm like, <laughs> and I'm exhausted by it. And I'm just like, he's like a, a sponge that's taking up con conversation topics. Yeah. And it's, it's a bummer. A so that's time. what I'm tired. I, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to do well, it. I, 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 yeah. You know, people. I gotta. I, I live in LA. You know, people mm -hmm. are gonna lose their minds. Mm -hmm. They're gonna be. They're gonna be <laughs> losing their minds. And I'm gonna be like, oh no. Now I'm losing my mind because you're losing your mind. Don't lose your mind. Yeah, it's going to yeah. be. I think either way. I'm not going to lose my mind, but my colleagues are going <laughs> to lose, lose yeah. their minds. Yeah. I think either way, people are going to lose their yes. minds. But I, I have a very unpopular position on this, but I will wait until it's over and then we can talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> when we stop recording? Or? Yeah, or no, later as in another, an epi a later episode. I think your position's fine. Yeah, yeah. I, think I know your position. I mean, I don't yeah. agree with it, but I yeah. think it's fine. We can agree to disagree. No, we can't. No. Yeah. And my colleagues. <laughs> that's that's will not the, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's gonna be such a Yeah, it's gonna that's be that's probably why I'm barely I'm struggling through this conversation oh, about yeah. the new normal because I'm sitting there going because I'm one who's like, I'm fine, whatever. Like I you know it's a benefit of the of a lifestyle, I guess, but I'm like I'm aware that it could go either way. I feel like I'm in my mind, I'm like, whatever. But then I'm 
looking at my behavior over the past week or so, and I'm going like, no, I think I'm just a little bit more stressed about it than I'm uh, I'm giving. I like to think I'm beyond it. I'm no. not. Not turns out I'm just a little bit frazzled. I think. I think it's also like because I'm, you know, from from Europe, and we're not as big into. I mean, we, a lot of people are, but uh, not voting, for example, is a is a more kind of respectable position in Europe and and kind of not putting as much emphasis on political parties. Whereas, so I, although I've got my views on what's going on, I don't know if it's that, like, I, I was going to say, I don't think it's that important, but for the wrong reason, I, I think whoever wins, it's going to be a shit show. Um, and, and so it's not, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's yeah. not like indecision is still a decision, right? Like, yeah. uh, you're or still- no, or a decision to opt out. If you feel that both systems, both parties, if, if someone felt that both parties were a vote for a, a sort of corporate neoliberal position, then not voting is a is a is a you're not pressing the close button on the lift. Mm-hmm. So for me, sometimes voting is countersigning the system. Mm-hmm. It's a way for the system to uh, weave you in, so you think that you're involved. Like like the lights, you know, the lights. Mm-hmm. That uh, with COVID, all these signs went up saying you don't have to press the button. You know, so you realize that the button on the lights is completely arbitrary. The only reason why the button is there is to make you feel involved in the process of the red light. So that it doesn't do anything. The green man is going to show up whether you press that button or not. That's kind of sometimes what voting's like. Or some people think voting's like. It's like um, I love the system. I'm going to vote for I've side with <laughs> yeah. I side. You with. voted three times. You know what I love? Corporations. Uh, I voted three times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I voted in Florida. I voted in California. They don't care. Let's just let yeah. you send them in. Vote early and vote often. <laughs> that's that's your policy. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, we're so close to it right now. I just I'm like I think it's cool. I want young people to vote. I want people to do it. I think it's fun. I think that there's I get a little bit of the the sort of like I saw this meme that was a spongebob meme and it was one of the characters like just completely leaning over spongebob and terrifying him and it the big character said all of social media and then it said vote and then spongebob was like me who is voted like it was like everyone's screaming online about voting when it's like yeah you know it's like commercials it's like you see the political commercials and everyone's like okay all right, we yeah. did it. I think, but also I voted like a week ago. So I also, when that is done, I don't care as much. If I'm I not wonder, voting, yeah. I get more annoyed by it. And then when I vote, I'm like, oh, whatever, I yeah. tune it out. My, my only thing is that um, I worry that to some extent, you know, getting young people to vote is a way to uh, kind of get them to think that that's what political action is. And so to weave them into a party political process and you you think the alternative though you're going to be able to explain the nuanced like elements of what you're saying to like a young person yeah or even an old person like i think you can just vote and if it you vote and then you come to the conclusions on i mean this is kind of mirroring the conversation we were having a little bit about progressive therapy right it's like yeah you're never you might you you casting a vote isn't going to be the ultimate thing that solves all the problems or 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 presents a new utopia but inching forward in a certain direction, oh, no. I would say, is very beneficial. If you believe in the system, it is. If but you if you believe in, but if you think that voting is weaving you into a neoliberal kind of system, then then voting is in a way, it's a way of kind of like very subtly denting or very subtly dissipating your political. Act. So, for example, I would love young people to think about setting up 
kind of co- cooperative kind of like breweries or do do you kind of there's lo- there's lots of kind of I think ways in which you can kind of like find a meaningful life in the struggle. I I I do yeah. agree that it does kind of present it and political action it dist- it maybe undersells the world of political action that's out there by reducing yeah. it only that but I think there's room at the table for voting. Yeah, oh no, and I don't want to discourage anybody from voting, you know. Great um, thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to encourage anybody or dis- discourage anybody. Um hey, I had me at, not going to lie, you had me in the first half. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um I but my thing I said to you the other night is but mostly I'm going like people to think about why they're voting or why they're not voting. It is remarkable. And, to, and yeah. to be kind of, to basically be proactive in one's decision or to act or not act. I mean, the reason we started this this podcast, I think, is related to the idea that everyday life, everyday things can actually have a lot more meaning and nuance to them than maybe we give it credit for. I wouldn't see why voting would be any different. Like that's, we're basically talking about a different way of viewing it. Yeah. How do you mean? Sorry. I don't know. I kind of lost my, my train of thought, but I mean, you're saying that, you know, you're trying to say, get people to think about the whole picture a little bit and not just go, Oh, I'm voting. Okay. Done. And not only am I voting, that makes me a good person who is politically active. You're going, okay, if you're going to vote, vote, if you're not going to vote, don't vote, but become do you know yeah and voting voting is a political action that's the thing no it's not even like it is it's just whether it's the right political action like like sometimes in a two-party system you can be voting for two parties that are broadly speaking the same in a variety of ways and then either or voting for a third party or doing something else can be a be a thing you know Mm um i you know i i i'm very disappointed in you know where the Democratic Party has gone, so I'm particularly kind of concerned about that. But um, you're disenf- you're demon demonfranchised, disenfranchised, disenfranchised. Well, yeah, no, that's see, that's the thing. But it makes it sound like not voting is a uh, a non act, but it can be an act. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but you suppose you're disenfranchised from that from that system. For, no, I suppose yeah, from the Democratic yeah, Party yeah, in general. Yeah. You yourself feel yeah i mean i think a lot of people do i don't know how you could be shot like super excited i mean that's always just part of the game now i feel like it's like yeah you rally behind i don't know maybe i don't take it seriously enough uh but it it, the football party element or the football game element you know um is great like if the super bowl is happening i'm not gonna really growing by the way like the amount of people who are so enjoying this like a football game we need it yeah Yeah. i mean it feels i was even with how halloween was yesterday it feels like it feels like a holiday with like the football game just a few days later yeah yeah um yeah even people who are saying they're not enjoying it you can tell they're enjoying it i mean everyone's people are libidinally invested in it 100 percent. yeah and i I mean i don't have a problem with i think it's kind of a good i think people need some movement right mm. now. I think people need action. So that's kind of where my, it's maybe slightly shorter sighted than what you're talking about in terms of structure and the system and all that. But I mean, I feel like just in a, an immediate sense, there needs to be a little bit of like a, the, the, what do you call it, the paddles? Oh yeah, the, uh, oh, yeah, the, 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 the yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's always fun to do that sound. Yeah. Um, I thought you were talking about spark plugs, but that was a, uh, Yes, yeah. that works too. But something to kind of shake things up because, you know, everyone has been, it's the same reason you put candy down by the kids. It's like people just need to, to 
to every, we talked about this before hitting record. Everyone's losing their minds a little bit. Mm. Um, at least in my experience, I don't know if you guys have experienced that. I don't know if it looks like I'm losing my mind. Uh, with your blonde hair. With my blonde hair. <laughs> yeah. That was my first words to my therapist. I was like, it's not a midlife crisis. <laughs> and he was like, it's funny you say that. Yeah, that's right. I, did, I had a dream and it wasn't about my mother. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, well, how yeah. do you feel about this? You feel good? Yeah, yeah. It was kind of, you know, we just uh, might not have been as on the ball as usual i kind of feel like we're just having a chat but maybe people like that maybe people don't. I'll tell take us it on what you chin. like tell us if you like this stuff tell yeah. us if you don't or mm. tell us if you do but you don't don't tell us if you don't don't tell us if you don't <laughs> yeah keep that to yourself we have enough no, going no. on right now no. i apologize i should have brought more of an a game to this episode but no. they can't all be winners you know and i'm just we're all just on this little ride right now yeah it's going to be fun to see what happens I'm going to get you to watch Seduction. That's going to be what I'm going to try to yeah. do on election night. And also, you're Irish, so anything... He's Irish. Anything he says, you can't. <laughs> you just have to. Northern Irish. I yeah, well, yeah, I should say that. I'm from outside of all of this, so I'm partly just looking at the elections and looking at what's going on. As a interested outsider, I do live here now. I've been here for a long time, but still, I feel like it's different for me for good and for bad. I'm like, so although I kind of, you know have my views i'm kind of just more trying to figure out what's going on and yeah. I'm, I'm finding that fascinating so forgive me as an outsider looking in yeah um and just just watching the whole thing oh, unravel God. i keep thinking about this this dude who i won't mention who did this tweet that i won't talk about but it was something about like these people who um make fun of people who are wearing their masks in their car you know they'll be oh, driving yeah. around by themselves and that was happening since the beginning of the, the pandemic. And I remember at first being like, yeah, that's silly. Don't wear your mask inside in your car. Like, why would you do that? And then, of course, I found, I found myself so many times wearing my mask in my car. Yeah. And I think that a lot of the cool morals sometimes in life, and I, I was then I saw someone post about this on Reddit, and one of the comments was like, you know, a few years ago, I started just minding my own business and I recommend it for everyone. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's yeah. so good. Yeah. I was like, why would you care? Like, yeah. why would you, who, I mean, if someone makes fun of me and I'm wearing, because I'm wearing a mask in a car, who cares? Yeah, of yeah, course, yeah. make fun of me. I'm wearing a mask in a car. Gav at me. But if someone else is doing it, I'm not going to make fun of them because who cares? Yeah. And so, this is, we've talked about this before. It's like, yeah, the, the reason why we care about something so much is is because we're fighting something in ourselves. Like when you genuinely can look at someone else who disagrees and you can discuss with them, you can have your opinions, but you're not angry or da-da-da, then, then you've kind of, you're not fighting something in yourself. So yeah, yeah you're right. So the more, you, more I care about something that someone else is doing, that's no impact on my life, the more I'm like, what am I fighting in yeah. myself? Yeah. It's yeah. one of the best things. Yeah. yeah. Um, Moshe Kasher had another great comment on that one time where he was like, if you practice like really truly not worrying about what other people are doing, you can get better at it. And he was like, I don't really don't judge too much now. I don't care that much. It was a very nice, uh, uh, yeah, nice yeah. sentiment. But anyway, that's um, my takeaway. Good. Sorry about that. No, I'm not sorry. This is better than what I thought, and I'm just being self-deprecating because I'm self-conscious about it. Right? All right. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs>